really liking the the kids poster in the back. Um, the kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Mac, Mac Miller was actually my number one artist last year. So. Really? No, that's yeah, good. Got, yeah. You know, my brother um, actually gave that to me like this year. He, he, there's like vinyls too. Oh yeah. Yeah, oh. I didn't. I don't have a record player or anything, so I just like hung them up. But yeah, yeah. I'm a big Mac Miller fan for sure. I mean, yeah, man. Thank you for taking the time. I actually really appreciate this. It's good to finally hear no, from I, the man, the myth, the legend. You know, like <laughs> we've heard a lot about you because, like, I you were the, in the I was the class of twenty coming out of eighth grade. So like we I we never got to interact, but I've heard a lot of stories about you from like the guys like Jake and Alejo and Sam mm-hmm. and all, all the guys who have like interacted with you and the team. It's, it's good to finally meet you, man. Glad my name's still, uh, still being talked about. That's good. It's good to hear. Dude, the story's out of Bartlett, <laughs> man. This, the stories. <laughs> it's crazy, but yeah. All right. We are live and rolling back on the run fast podcast, back with another stellar guest, another awesome runner in the community, in the division one scene. We have Matt Farrell, Princeton track and field cross country class of 2024. Um, hopping on the pod, one of Lewis Chafee's best and brightest alumni of the distance running community. G- glad to have him on. Matt, if you want to give a little introduction about yourself, where you run, where you're from, how you first got into running, um, we'll let you have the floor for that. Sounds good. Yeah. So I'm a junior right now at Princeton, I'm studying public and international affairs, uh, pursuing a certificate, a minor in entrepreneurship as well. I'm on the varsity cross country and track team here. And yeah, uh, Loomis class of 2024, ran on the cross country team all four years, track team all four years. Uh, good experience for sure. Sweet. And so right off the bat, um, moving from a school like Loomis into Princeton, can you talk about what the decision process was like for you, especially with recruitment um, and how you landed on Princeton as the school that you'd be attending for the rest of your um, time or in college at least? Yeah. So things kind of got going recruiting wise for me uh, junior year um started to get uh noticed by coaches and stuff especially after like Foot Locker that was like a big turning point for me it seems like Foot Locker is like you make it to the national meet at, at least when I was in high school that was like coaches really really started to reach out to you so yeah things started junior year after Foot Locker um started talking to a bunch of coaches and then in the summer um I started narrowing down the list a bit I had the privilege of like a couple of coaches actually came to my house to meet my family and stuff. Um, had dinner with like, yeah, met my family, had dinner with us. So that was pretty cool. And that like kind of helped me understand like the coaches more, if it was a good fit or not. Um, and then moving into the fall, I went on three official visits. Um, I had a fourth planned, but after coming to Princeton, I, I, I canceled it. I knew Princeton was the place for me and where I wanted to spend my next four years. Yeah, and so diving first of all into your experience in high school and NEPSTA running. Uh, NEPSTA, for those who don't know, is the New England Prep School Track Association. That's for the prep schools and boarding schools in the New England Northeast area. Um, but just touching on your insight into your experience at, with, in terms of like running with NEPSTA, um, how did you interact with the Loomis team and what was your experiences like with the, being, a, being a Loomis Pelican, running for Loomis, being that you were at such a high level early on in your career? Um, did that affect your outlook about how you were involved as a teammate or how you kind of went about? Like Loomis, how many guys are on the team? It was like 50 or? Yeah, it's like, it, you know, it, it's 60 to 40 around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, it's great. Like diverse group of guys, like some just beginning, some more advanced and stuff like that. 
and yeah, it was, it was um, difficult to kind of find my way in there, trying to trying to get onto the national the national stage for running. But um, I think kind of through trial and error, I figured it out. Um, and it did take like a lot of time outside of practice. Um, like for example, like my junior year, I really started uh, training harder and like really wanting to again like make Foot Locker Nationals and start being competitive at the national meets. So um, before school, um, like four days, uh, like four of the weekdays, I would get up 5.30, go to the gym, get in a five mile run, maybe some strides, go to school and then go to practice with the team. Um, just to like keep my mileage up, keep the intensity up a bit. And yeah, that was good. And that really helped me like still do workouts with the team, train with the team, but make sure that you know, I could still be competitive on the national stage and I was setting myself up for the most success possible. Totally, yeah. I want to talk about like the like the program and like your buy-in um, especially. Um, I feel like the Loomis program isn't something where uh, like the, obviously the whole team buys in so you don't have that like tight-knit culture. Um, so would you say you're working by yourself or more to, to like oriented with your team uh, given your position and your caliber as a national runner, I guess. So I'd say like freshman year, I was lucky to have a guy named Ryan Heskin. Um, he was a junior, I think when I was a freshman, he was, he helped me out. He was a good mentor, uh, pushed me in workouts a lot, which was really great to have. Um, and then my sophomore year, um, I still worked out with him a bit and had, uh, had him pushing me. Um, and then, yeah, junior year, I was lucky enough to, uh, meet one of my like long-term mentors, um, Don Cabral. Um, so he, so I'd be working out with the team, um, during the week. And then like Saturday, sometimes I would meet up with him for a workout or like a long run or something like that. So, um, to the buy-in question, I think, yeah, again, as I said, like everyone's on different levels on the Loomis team. Um, some guys are there just to get fit for the winter spring season, which is fine, which is good. Um, and then other guys, like this is their big season. So I think buying into the program is, the program is what you make of it. Um, again, like if you want to be really good, it's, it's possible. You just gotta, you know, take a little bit of time outside of practice, kind of um, own your craft and make the most of the opportunity. And in terms of balancing the workload at a school like Loomis, which is pretty academically rigorous, I'd say, um, did were you were you juggling um, running obviously schoolwork and then any other extracurricular commitments or how did, how exactly did you go about balancing your school to sport life in a sense? Yeah, I honestly didn't do many extracurriculars at Loomis outside of running. It was just like mostly running in school. I thought school like obviously Loomis there were like peaks and val valleys in the academic year. Um, you know you definitely got to lock in around like final season, um, but. You know, I thought it was manageable. I think the resources at Loomis make it manageable. Um, having like an advisor was great. Like being able to, you know, if anything got too much, you reach out to them. They, they could give you guidance, reach out to your teachers and stuff like that. So I think Loomis really does give you the resources to like be com competitive on the national stage as an athlete, but also, you know, do well in the classroom. And I think it's, it's a unique place in that sense that um, you have the resources to, to kind of, um, do both as an athlete and a student. Yeah, for sure. I feel like Loomis is definitely the place where you can explore so many different uh, 
you know, things in life, uh, you know, careers, uh, whatnot. Um, so would you say you had a fa- favorite memory, um, to, you know, here being at Loomis? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, lots of good memories at Loomis. Well, one memory that kind of stuck with me was my junior year winter. So like the la- the previous year, my sophomore winter, uh, I spent most of winter training alone. Um, it's pretty like grim days at, you know, Windsor, Connecticut in the dead of winter. Got out of class at like, it's like 420, right? And yeah. somewhere around then, sun would be going down. I'd just be going out for like a run. Um, so I did that all by myself my sophomore year, which was, you know, it was tough. But then junior year, like more guys on the team started to buy into the program. I mean, like buy into themselves, wanting to better themselves and wanting to kind of take a leap and get to the next level in their running careers. So they actually joined me. I think the program was like winter jogging or something like that. Still exists. So, yeah, <laughs> that was fun. Um, Dennis Robbins, I don't know if he still does it if he's still around, but he was, uh, he was, he was a great guy. Um, he would just loosely structure it for us, but yeah, a bunch of guys decided to do that with me my junior year. So like one memory is just like, I remember we got out of class at like, yeah, again, like 4:20. we went on like a 10 mile run. I think we had four or five guys. It was like snowing. I was just like reflecting on the, the previous year, just, you know, hitting those miles by myself. Um, yeah, it was just, it was satisfying to see, different guys like coming up and you know wanting to be good that's awesome yeah and so moving on into your next chapter of your running career at Princeton how would you say Loomis prepared you to perform at the D1 level as an athlete as an academic and then also to perform at a school like Princeton which is obviously another one of the best schools in the country academically and in terms of running as well so like how how well did you feel how well prepared did you feel going into that situation I will say like at a, a place like Princeton um, there will be a bit of imposter syndrome for like anyone coming in, even coming from a great school like Loomis. Um, so that was, you know, something that throughout my freshman year, you just kind of have to work through. You have to realize like everyone in the classroom, um, you know, is, is, a, is a bright student and um, you kind of just have to find the confidence in yourself to, to realize you belong at the school and um, you belong in that classroom and your voice should be heard. Um, but yeah, I'd say Loomis prepared me very well academically. Um, so like how it works in college, the biggest difference I notice is like Loomis is like more structured with classes and stuff. Um, you'll have a certain amount of classes every day is at four, I forget. But um, at Princeton, you know, you won't have four classes every day. Maybe you'll have two, three, maybe one. Um, but you'll have a lot of more work on your own that you kind of have to manage. Um, so you really need to stay proactive with your work and if you want to be successful. Um, and the other thing is, as I said, like Loomis has a bunch of, bunch of resources available, an advisor um, and like people looking out for you, teachers making sure you're doing your work. In college, it's more on your own. You know, you kind of, um, it's on you to do your work. No one's going to be like, oh, did you submit this? They'll just give you, you know, zero in the grade book. So I think that was another big thing, just like making sure you have accountability in your work and um and just being proactive with the time that college offers um athletically i say i will say i was i felt prepared coming into princeton um so like the biggest thing for a young athlete i think coming to college um is you know just the mileage adjustment so like 
coming into Princeton, like my junior and senior year, I think I was in, in high school, I think I was between like 70 and 80 miles a week. And so coming in as a freshman, I, I came in running 80 miles a week, still didn't bump up the mileage, um, just stayed there. I think that worked really well for me. I think something that uh, isn't talked about as much is like in high school, if you're running, you know, 40, 50 miles a week um, and you want to compete division and like a, at a division one university, um, that's like a really tough transition going from like 40 to 50 to like a, you know, 80 to 100 miles a week program, um, which could take like two or three or four years even of your college career to build that mileage to get acclimated to longer workouts and stuff like that. So I felt like I was fortunate in that sense that I was already like a higher mileage guy and coming in, you know, it wasn't much of an adjustment um, athletically. So I was able to kind of adapt well to the workout and the program here at Princeton. Awesome. Yeah. Um, how do you uh, describe how you were able to progress as a runner? You know, you're always uh, top notch, talented, uh, you know, the, talk about your progression from, you know, freshman year to senior year at Loomis and then also um, that progression from, freshman year to where you are right now at Princeton freshman year was good um and yeah it was a adjustment I was coming from middle school uh I didn't run much it was just like a running club for fun so it was fun like my first year in high school to have you know real competitions like good guys to compete against and uh good good people to train with as I said um freshman year I just kind of was having fun with it, just adjusting. And then like, I think the summer after my freshman year, I kind of like realized like, like I want to get, I want to get as good as I can at running. I was like, I kind of, you know, had a moment of like introspection and realized like, you know, this is, this is something I really want to focus on. Um, And so like sophomore, uh, going to my sophomore year of high school, you know, I upped my mileage. I was cross training a bunch, you know, working out a lot. Um, and I, yeah, just focused way more on running like recovery stuff, you know, took it more seriously. And I think that paid off my sophomore year. I was more successful, um, cross country and track. And then yeah, junior year, again, that was like the big year, another good summer of training. And that's when I kind of realized I could, you know, enter the national stage and, you know, be competitive on a national level, which was really exciting. And, it was, yeah, really satisfying to see the work in the summer and, you know, the previous year pay off. Um, and then, yeah, senior year, I was really excited. Cross country was great. Um, felt, you know, I, was, I got All-American in cross, which was my first time getting that. And it was like, I was really, really excited for uh, uh, spring season with Loomis in track, but then we had COVID and that all got tossed out the window. So, um yeah, I just like, you know, just did a couple of time trials on my, by myself and then just got ready to transition to Princeton. And then, yeah, so at Princeton, um, freshman year, still COVID stuff, um, was just training on my own that fall. And in the spring, they let us come back to campus. So um, that was like, but we weren't allowed to compete. So we were just still training, doing time trials and stuff. But then sophomore year, um, it was a normal season had a really good summer training, came into sophomore year, was able to contribute to the team, score at our Ivy League championship, um, score at the regional championship, and then went to the national championship for cross. Um, and yeah, I think I was a little 
unprepared for that. Um, I think like you definitely need to be in at least one like NCAA uh, Division One cross race before that um, to really know what you're getting yourself in for. I think like the first mile, my first mile was like four eighteen and it was a ten k and I was like I saw that and I was like yeah 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 but um yeah I mean it was a great experience and then the winter was good um set some PRs in the 3k 5k which was good and then spring ran a couple 10ks and then yeah um this year junior year unfortunately I got Lyme this summer Lyme disease so you know I ran cross the best I could um and yeah I was just like up and down but feeling better now and ready to run some indoor races and to like expand a little bit more about those experiences at the national level even in high like in college but also in just in high school with, with for the foot locker race that you were a two-time qualifier for congratulations on that um can you talk about your experience with doing those national meets because i'd assume most of the time you were pretty much flying solo in preparation for those like the luma season had ended you were still training by yourself i'd assume and then how that translated to like your ex- to like an experience at a national meet at the college level and how those two kind of were different and similar at the same way at the same time. Yeah. So after the Loomis season was always a little bit weird because I'd have some training partners and then understandably guys would be like, you know, I'm good after Nepsta, um, which was fair. But then I was kind of left on my own to like finish up. I think it was two weeks after it was like Foot Locker regionals. So I was like kind of on my own to, prepare for that and get ready to race that one um which and then like for the national meet you know going in again I think at at national meets everything's kind of about experience so like my junior year I went in not knowing much just like super excited to have made the team um like the northeast team got a free ticket to San Diego which I was like this is great like uh this gonna be a fun time just like race fine, had a good time. And then coming back my senior year, I was like, okay, like now I know what it's all about. Like, I really want to get all American. Um, and having experience from junior year was huge. I like knew the race was going to go up fast. I knew course a little bit better. Um, and I, you know, I, I just felt more prepared going into the race. So I think the, the biggest thing is like experience at the national level. And like, I think the only way to get that is just getting in as many national races as you can um just to you know know what they're about and know how to race them and i say the same goes for college um like ncaa cross as i said like um going back and hopefully next next fall um be back on at the uh, ncaa cross race and use experience for my uh, sophomore year to kind of backtrack a little bit to what you're saying about your relationship with don cabral could you open up a little bit more about that and touch on like how he's impacted you as a runner and how you first got in contact with him and what that relationship has meant to you over the course of your running career? Yeah, Don's the best. Um, uh, so I grew up in Glastonbury, which is like, I was a day student, 20 minutes from Loomis. Um, and Don actually also grew up in Glastonbury. Um, so yeah, I just like got in touch with him. I think it was like just after my freshman year, he's kind of looking for advice. Like, again, I was like, that's kind of when I, realized I could be you know running something I want to try to be as good as I can at and really wanted to uh, see what I could do with the sport so I reached out to him he was great he really helped me out um, you know gave me advice I think like the biggest well one of my biggest takeaways from my early one of my early conversations with Don is he said don't be afraid to work hard um, 
which sounds <laughs> sounds intuitive but you know in high school like a lot of it is like I feel like a lot of the talk that comes around an athlete like running I don't know 80 miles a week in high school or 70 miles a week is like oh burnout or um I don't know just you know different worries um around you know kids really committing to to wanting to be really good at running and his advice really helped me in the sense that you know I wasn't afraid to work hard I like whatever it took I, I I was willing to do it I was happy to do it um but just the thing holding me back was like oh is this gonna is this gonna hurt me in the long run um and he helped me realize you know just like no it's gonna help you a lot in the long run and I think that was that was big a big influence on my my running career um but yeah as I said like I was fortunate enough Don um for my junior and senior year that's when I was getting better at running I was able to actually like keep up with Don some workouts I do chunks of his workouts um on Saturdays Saturdays and stuff when the team wasn't practicing meet up with him for long runs and stuff um and his just like experience and wisdom was just like yeah I just can't say enough about it and um, definitely wouldn't be where I am today without without his support. You mentioned you mentioned uh, this when you were uh, talking about uh, your conversations when you first met him. But would you say there was like a breakout moment or a race workout, whatever it may be, that you you realized you know like I got something here. Like I, I as long as I you know not afraid to work hard, as you said. Um, would you say you have a, a specific moment where like you had that realization? Yeah, so it was, you know, this was just like when I realized I could be competitive, like get to the national stage and be competitive. Um, it was my junior year. Um, again, this was the period after NEPSTA before uh, Foot Locker Regionals. And I met up with Don for a workout. Um, the workout was four by a mile. I think he was doing 2Ks or something. Um, so I was just doing like chunks of his workout. And I think I was just going to try to do three. Um, it was like four by a mile and I was aiming for like 440. And that would have been a, that would have been a big workout for me just doing three, but I felt really good. I did four with him. And I just remember like, yeah, I was just like super excited. I knew, I, I knew I just, you know, kind of took a leap in my fitness and just like mentally being able to, you know, go to, go to a different place um, somewhere. Like I didn't think I could really, go um I just remember like after like jogging with Don cooling down he was like yeah you'll make Foot Locker no problem like and I was like it was just that moment I was like wow this is you know this is cool and um I'm excited to see where this goes yeah totally and you also touched on high mileage a little bit earlier a few times um but what other emphasis did you place on your training or what habits did you make uh, a priority in your training in your everyday kind of life that helped you to stay healthy and stay fast like, was it like nutrition or sleep or stretching, like recovery? Was it like hard workouts, hard, easy days, easy? What sort of emphasis did you place on your days in training? Yeah, so I'd say like um, a lot of the things you mentioned, I'll, I'll touch on the hard days and easy days first. So um, in high school, as well as in college, I'm a big believer in, you know, on workout days, you don't be afraid to, you know, go really hard and, you know, push yourself but then you need to be able to recover so you know easy days I'm not afraid to run like you know seven seven thirties for an easy run and you know just feel good get ready for the next session um and yeah in, in high school I think I did develop good habits uh 
eating well is important, obviously. Um, but I just like, as well as just like eating enough as an athlete, like running high in mileage, you just need to make sure like, even if you have to sacrifice eating the healthiest food, just make sure you get enough calories and uh, to feel your body and keep yourself going. Um, I think, yeah, sleep is huge. Uh, high school as well as college, like in high school, I'd, I'd try my best to get nine hours of sleep, uh, which sounds like a lot, but that's how I felt the best training and throughout my day to day. And in college is the same. Like, I think it's even easier in college to get nine hours of sleep, you know, during the weekdays, just like classes end at four, we got practice, like, uh, four to six thirty. go to dinner, do some homework and go to bed. Um, yeah. So I think like, um, easy days, easy sleep, nine hours. Um, yeah, I mean, there's no, there's definitely no secret to running, which you guys know, you guys are both runners. Um, you just try to do as much as you can to, to set yourself up for success. And, uh, those are just little things in the grand scheme of things. How would you, how would you describe how you're, I guess, how you orient yourself towards your training or how you, how you're thinking about your training and how you're, uh, how that's evolved over time as you've gotten better and older. In college, I'm like really privileged to, to be on a, a really successful team. I'm surrounded by a really good athletes. So being at Princeton, I'm able to hop into a workout, not look at my watch. I don't really care what the splits are, but I know like if I'm in w- with my group running the, like whatever pace it is, it doesn't really matter. Um, just cause the guys around me are so good and they're, they're bringing me up um yeah. in high school I guess I'd like it was like mostly on me to make sure I was running the times I was pacing most of the workouts and stuff like that so you know I'd be like a little bit more conscious of splits and stuff like that um but like on a more macro scale I think from high school to college in college I kind of um took a step back and and looked at running like as just something I really enjoy in high school you know I really wanted to be good. I really wanted to run division one in college. I obviously had a good time with it. Uh, and like, I found great success in there, but I think in college, I've just been able to have a lot more fun with running just because, you know, the guys on my team just like, you know, bring me up a- academically, athletically. I'm just surrounded by like, I don't know if you do a workout with a group of guys. Um, I feel like there's, there are a few things in life that could, could bond you together more than, really hurting and um pushing yourself so being surrounded by a bunch of guys that you know support me and bring me up in college is uh has been really good athletically and academically and just in life in general amen to that um <laughs> so you you touched on summer training a little bit what what do you define as a good block of summer training and what works for you during the summer um and what i mean what t- what types of things are you doing during the summer to make sure that you are good to go when cross season comes around next fall I'll say this summer I was in Kenya. Um, I had the opportunity. I got, I was awarded funding through the university to teach at a college access program in Kenya. So um, I was there actually two of my teammates also did the program. So we were training at close to 9,000 feet this summer. Um, And, you know, if you can get to altitude in the summer, I think it's like hugely beneficial. Um, Less in the sense that like, the benefits of altitude training will carry throughout the whole season and more in the sense that if you kind of take yourself from like your hometown and go somewhere else to train, you know, there'll be less distractions. Um, and you'll just be able to kind of focus more on what you want to achieve. Um, 
so yeah, this summer was great. I was in Kenya um, training. And I think the biggest thing in the, the summer is, you know, have an eye towards your goal goals, obviously, you know, even if you don't run them down, you have in the back of your head, like on easy runs or long runs, you're like, this is what I want to do this season. You kind of envision it. Um, but you know, you need to pace yourself out. You can't, you can't get too excited about goals early, start running too fast and stuff like that. So I think it's important just to make sure the summer's fun, you know, um, uh, don't get too stressed about workouts, uh, get in the mileage, get in the training, but, you know, just keep the, keep the goals in the back of your mind and make sure they don't come to the, the front of your mind till the right time. So you, you get hot at the right time of the season and are able to compete at the highest level. Talking about racing, like moving to racing, take us through what you see as a good race for you. Um, like any time in your career, like when you look back on it, you're really satisfied with the result, how you ran, how you felt. Last winter indoor season, one race that comes to mind that I was happy with is um, we are at Penn State. I was running the 3K. Um, and the week previous, uh, two weeks before, I think I ran the 3K at Navy. Um, so this is my second 3K of the season. And in the first race, um, I was, you know, just, it was kind of a rust buster, but I was kind of upset with myself that um, one of my teammate and this other guy kind of went and I, you know, didn't really go with the move. And I, I kind of knew I had it in me. I was just like confused why, you know, I didn't really go with it. Um, but then like the, the next two weeks from then at uh, Penn State, um, I'd say it was probably one of my best races that indoor season. Um, you know, there was a very good field. And, um, when like one guy took off, I, you know, covered the move, like as soon as he made it stuck with the top group and, um, ran a big PR for me, um, broke eight for the first time in the three K, which was, which was something I wanted to do that season. So I was really satisfying. Um, and yeah, I think it was just like the the ability to take the lesson I learned from two weeks previously and you know implement it in the in the in the race and execute, which was you know afterwards I was like, you know, I just I raced that one perfectly and I'm I'm happy how it turned out. And so kind of on the flip end of what the question Miles was asking, um, what about a bad race? Like what about bad races do you take away from them and how do you grow as a as a as a learner and a runner? Oh, I've had some so yeah, as I said, this cross country season I had Lyme disease so I got it this summer but I didn't find out that's what had been holding me back all cross season until like just this past December so I was like a lot of the season I was like you know tired I was working as hard as I could in practice and races but you know the results just weren't coming so I had plenty of bad races where I was just like you know what, what the heck's wrong and like you know getting down on myself um but I think I think you need to try to take away a lesson from every race, um, no matter how bad they are. Um, and you just got to kind of reflect and, and build off them. If you're not doing that, you know, you just, it's a bad race and you kind of could fall into a trap of uh, having a couple more bad races to come, but, you know, reflect on the race, reflect on um, things you're happy with, things you could have done differently. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, take the lessons you learned, but then, you know, be able to move forward. Um, don't get like, don't beat yourself up too badly. You know, there'll always be more races to come. There'll always be more seasons to come. Just like take the lessons away from it. And then, you know, you put it aside and focus on the next one. 
And so, I mean, I'm a lot like you. I'm a big 3K guy. Like, that is my thing. I love the 3K. Um, awesome. What is, what is your secret sauce or, like, what is the racing strong suit that you have? Are you, are you confident in your kick? Are you a strong kicker? Are you a win from the front type of guy? Do you enjoy matching moves? Is that your good, your strong side of being able to predict and see moves? What about, like, racing tactics do you feel like you're really strong at and what helps you to apply those tactics in the race? That's a good question. I think it depends on the race. Um, so I think, like, you know, I think one of my strong suits is being able to cover moves in races. I don't think I have like a phenomenal kick or anything like that, but I think I'm, if I, I'm pretty good at putting myself in the right position for, you know, when things heat up, I'll be, I'll be ready to strike. Um, I was thinking back to Nepsta cross my senior year. Um, I was running against a really good runner from Exeter and yeah, and there's also yeah William Coogan and then there's another guy from NMH who was really good Alex I forget his name but anyway they like took off and you know I kind of just hung with them like it, there were a couple surges I let them come and go and then um I was just being able to you know have a, have a bit of race awareness I think has really helped me um yeah but I, I say my biggest my strong suit is you know not because I don't have a kick I'll be able to you know, push a race if I, if I know someone's a good kicker and uh, just have the awareness to know what you need to do to, to, to win or succeed, I guess. Actually, before yeah. we move off the, the topic of racing, I just want to circle back to the bad races. Um, going to every race, we go to various uh, schools and whatnot, uh, and they have their course records up, and it's just M. Farrell, M. Farrell, M. Farrell. Uh, so <laughs> what, what would you say, like, a bad race would look for you look like for you in, in during high school cross season. So, but cause clearly you still have all these course records. Yeah. I think it like, everything's a little bit more like, like heightened, I guess in college, whereas like a bad race is like, you know, like you're getting, you're racing against like other division one runners, really great runners. So you have a bad race, you're going to get, you get destroyed. You'll, you'll lose to a lot of guys and, you know, it, it'll, it'll sting a little bit worse. And in high school, you know, like, especially when I was really, um, I guess like early on a bad race, like you'd lose to one or two guys and you'd be like, I wish I did this or that, you know, you kind of beat yourself up in that way, but it, it wasn't as visible that you're like, Oh shoot. I, I had a really bad one as it is in college where like the competitions are so much deeper and, um, guys are just way faster. Um, so yeah, I'd say a, a bad race in high school was just some a race that I just didn't execute the way I wanted to, or I uh, had a specific goal in mind, a time or a place I wanted, and you know just just did something wrong, or I uh, wasn't able to kind of do that. But yeah, I'd say in, in college everything's kind of heightened a bit. And... Yeah, and so I mean now moving off of that subject of racing now into sort of the more culture and team aspect of running, because a lot of people say you know running is an individual sport, but I mean, to most people who actually run, you realize that, you know, running, there is a big team and culture aspect to it. And so what stands out to you about the culture within the Princeton distance squad? And um, what about the team kind of makes it special to be a part of every, going to practice every single day? Yeah, I think we do really have a special program at Princeton. And I think I'm fortunate, like, again, as I go back to saying my, taking my official visits, I think I was fortunate to be able to witness, like, the culture and and that was the main reason I came here. Um, like, I know a lot of teams say, like, you know, it's a, a brotherhood, but, you know, that's what it, the best way to describe it and how it feels at Princeton. Um, 
as I was saying, like, it, you go out and do a workout with 10 guys, you're all struggling, you all know, you know, everyone's had a full day of classes, everyone has their own excuses they could be using, but, you know, everyone's fighting their way through a workout. Um, and you just, you just find a respect for, for your teammates and, um, you know, a respect in the person that you, I don't think you could find really in any other way in life. Um, and that carries outside of the classroom, you know, you have this, this bond tying us, us all together. Um, you know, we look out for each other at school, um, academically, if a guy needs help with homework, anything, you know, life, whatever, like he's got, you know, we got like 30 distance guys. You got like 30 guys looking out for you. Um, yeah, it's really special. Like, um, just having that and having that support system and having guys that you know, really want you to succeed and really want to, to, to be great, but also see you be great. So I think that's what makes our team pretty special. Speaking about the Princeton team, as you're rising up to be more of a veteran on the team, uh, what would you say are some qualities that you've learned from, uh, from leaders from your underclassmen years? And also uh, how do you want to replicate those and being a leader these uh, next two years I again like I think I think I was very fortunate my um, first two years here to have really great senior leaders um, I don't know if you guys know uh, Sam Ellis and Ed Trippis Sam just ran 353 in the mile he went to University of Washington so he was on our team he was one of our captains and the other ones Ed Trippis he's also at UW um, he's an Olympian uh, ran runs for uh, Australia um, so those, those were our two captains. Um, and like, you know, those guys would just lead by example. Like it's one thing to say, like, let's do this, but it's a whole different thing to be like on at practice on time every day, doing the little things, um, you know, working hard, not making excuses, um, eating right. So I think like leading by example is the biggest thing I want to, to bring into my upperclassmen years at Princeton especially for the younger guys. It's a tough transition from high school. Um, you know, be there for them if they need any help academically, life-wise, you know, be there for them, but also, you know, just help them realize, like, there are no secrets. You want to be good. You work hard. You do the little things right. And, you know, you stay at it long enough, the results will come. Yeah. So in terms of, like, believing in the team discipline and then doing all the right things like you've just touched on, um, if you can commit to doing the right things, working hard in practice, making sure you're healthy, staying fast. Um, what do you think are some goals that you guys as, as a team and also as an individual want to achieve in this next track season coming up and in, in the year beyond? I'll say like, I'll touch on our, our biggest season we always focus on is cross country for the distance squad. Um, there's just something special about it just because like, um, you know, it's, it's just us out there and we know like we're doing it free just for, you know, our little group, but I'll say like our biggest goal is um, we've talked about it for a while. We have a really good, good group of guys. All our guys are coming back that competed this year. Um, next year, like a big goal is top 10 in cross country at nationals. Um, it's never done before. It's never been done before at Princeton. Um, and it's something, you know, we've been talking about for a while now. And I think, you know, we're starting to realize like that's a realistic goal. It's not just something we write on a poster board. Um, and yeah, track season, you know, um, I think another thing that makes Princeton unique is like that I noticed on my visit as well as just being here for the last couple of years is it's a, it's a full team. Um, like some of my best friends on the team are sprinters and throwers. Um, 
it's not like individualized groups um like obviously we train with the distance guys but like in the locker room hanging out after workouts and stuff like that um or outside of class in, um in classes it's just like like our whole track teams consist of 60 guys and just like walking around campus there's not a single guy on the team I wouldn't say what's up to see how they're doing um which is something I didn't see at other schools when I visited and I think something that makes Princeton uh really unique and special yeah I'd say those are the big goals for cross for track um last year we finished fifth indoor at the national championship as a team and seventh outdoor the national championship um obviously we lost some high caliber guys like ed and sam as i said um but i think we have a you know we have a lot of up-and-coming guys and uh the tools to you know be in the top 10 at both again and so moving on to some more um i guess fun oriented questions in a sense um you have a YouTube channel that you were pretty active during or active in posting, um, especially during COVID. It's called Runner's High, I believe. Um, I was yeah. tuned into it. I'm a subscriber. Um, I was a big I fan of the, the long run videos and the, the workouts as well. I think you had, the, you had that video where you're like, you're like 5K and 15XX and you hit the, hit the, the two last two numbers. But it was like with you, Jake and Leho, I thought it was so cool. Um, but can you give an update about that and how, that's go- how that was for you and if there's a possible return? Yeah, well, I got to give a shout out to my brother, Steady Hand Khan, because he was the one that was like, he was like, it was during COVID, we didn't have much going on. Um, and like, I always found like YouTube running channels like so cool. I was like, seeing what other guys are doing for workouts and stuff like that. So he was like, come on, let's like, we'll just go out there, we'll record something, see see what happens. Um, and yeah, it was just like a bunch of fun um, doing it with him. Like you guys, brothers doing the podcast, it was like the same, same idea. It was just like, it was a good time spend time together but also like I really enjoyed making the videos like he'd help film them and I really enjoyed video editing so it was like that was just a blast and yeah no I wish I could um post more like I do really enjoy editing filming and looking back on the videos and stuff like that but I always just like you know I come here like academics are you know they take their toll running everything kind of builds up but um as soon as I can get the camera back out, film a little video, work out, something like that, I'll definitely be doing so. Yeah, it's a good time. Yes, sir. If you ever decide to make a return, you have one guaranteed audience viewer out there on the internet. <laughs> That's all I need. That's all I need. <laughs> no, exactly. And I mean, this is more of a niche thing for Loomis, but I've heard that the MacTown loop, <laughs> it's that loop where you go out on um, Windsor Ave or Pocanock, it might be. You go out and you turn on this road called MacTown. It's kind of this hill. It's a giant eight mile loop. Did you, were you the founder of that loop? And because I've heard you've dropped tons of guys on that on that hill. Is that? Do you know if it goes past the? It's like the fire station. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I did draw that loop up, but someone could easily say they did it as well, and I believe them. But I think that was also like during the winter when I again like I that was the first time having a bunch of guys with me, so we were excited to try new routes, you know, um, especially on the roads because like it was winter and snowing and stuff so um i'll take credit for drawing up the route but you could fact check me on that i wouldn't be surprised if like leho or jake or someone else drew it up but i'll take credit if i if i can yeah do you have a favorite route around around the campus or around the area oh my favorite route i don't know like i don't even think you're like allowed to run back there but i like do you guys ever do like the farm roads yeah yeah 
Yeah, yeah. We, you turn by the Windsor like a historic center, and then down yeah, that road yeah. and, into like that where oh, the horse man. track is. That was my that was my favorite. Yeah, we just like go out along the river and then just loop like a big. I think they like grow grass there or something to export. You just yeah. like they do a big loop and just come back, and then they have like that 800 meter horse track, oh, which yeah. I always found was so sick. So yeah. we just hit it like a couple, you know, like sometimes like a lot of laps on that just because it was like soft surface like really easy to run on um and then just go back like i thought there couldn't have been a better route the only problem with that one is it's like always flooded like yeah, oh you literally God. cannot get out there but those like early spring days where it's like the rain stopped for like a little bit you could get out there was like ideal but i mean that's i mean miles do you have any any other questions any rumors of lcx that you want to ask them the myth the legend <laughs> i mean i get i don't know maybe has barlet changed or i like now, oh, I now. Ask about Barlett, actually, that just reminds me. Barlett, Barlett now, his his big thing. I don't know if you know them or not, but the Savannah Bananas, the um, the baseball team. They're like a, they're like this like. Oh, not, I've heard of them. Yeah, I've never you, heard you see, yeah, you see them all over social media, and like the, the baseball team, where they like play music and they TikTok dance in the middle of the game, and they do all these crazy plays. They're like the Globetrotters of baseball, um, <laughs> but he's his whole thing now is 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 creating like this savannah banana type energy at, on on the team and so he's always he's always got his camera out um you know filming for for instagram which is funny because because you don't expect mr bartlett to be to be the one doing that but um <laughs> if you if you if you see the lcxc boys instagram i mean i'm pretty sure you're still the the profile picture but really <laughs> nah i I'm not on Instagram or anything like that. I just stick to YouTube, but yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised that he's active on there. That sounds about right. Has he always been yeah. the one to, like, tell stories about people from, like, Hotchkiss from, like, 16 years ago? So, like, when I was there, he was the assistant. So, yeah, we yeah. had Sally Knight. Oh, so I think, right. Yeah, I think she kind of kept him in check more with the whole stories <laughs> and stuff, you know? Um, but... Yeah, they they snuck in here and there for sure. Yeah, because I don't know, like before Canterbury, um, and I think also Founders, he told me the same story about some some freshman from Hotchkiss from, I think it was I think it was thirteen years ago who who was who was all used to like running and like yeah, I don't know it was a whole story but it, it was just like <laughs> how do you remember this kid? He remembered his whole his, his government name, where he was from, times he ran it's just it's just crazy but um yeah that's that sounds that sounds about right yeah it, good to hear he hasn't changed much <laughs> yeah but um i also we have we have a new assistant coach his name is coach l coach legacy um i think you've actually ran against him uh indoor really okay, i think i think there's oh, a picture yeah he does yeah there's a picture on strava of you of you <laughs> like i think passing him on the on the bank really but, but it, it's funny. it's so where, interesting where is he coming from uh, he he was getting his grad degree at Cornell, and um, he he like basically he ran at Kenyon, but he does a bunch of unattached stuff just by himself, uh, and he, he teaches English now. Let me see if I can find his uh, the photo because <laughs> I was looking through so his. Funny. He followed me on Strava like last year before he came to Loomis, and I was going through his, his images, and there you are, BU five k. You're wearing some <laughs> green vapor flies, and he's right behind you in the orange spikes. Unless it's kind of hard to see. But that's you, in the, like right in the front. Oh film. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's him right <laughs> that's there. That's so funny. Wow. That yeah, that was. World. I found that's the craziest thing, but you know, small world. You're right. 
<laughs> that's good research you did investigating yeah that's good yeah coach Al is actually awesome he's he's certainly stupid fast at running but um he's also yeah. a great guy to talk to and then um just also a great coach to have you know have him on the runs and whatnot yeah he's fi finally a coach who can stick with us he's like the he's putting in the more the most work out of all of us he's like doing 14 milers at like 620 pace. Uh, for, like, you guys well. gotta hop in with him. That's good. That's a good. <laughs> that's a good training partner. I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes I come out of Olcott after, after watching like a varsity game or what, or something like that, and then I'll just see him on the track, just like grinding. Always putting just, just like one <laughs> Yeah, he's that guy. But I mean, Matt, this <laughs> has been it. awesome. Been a really privilege to have you on here. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, no, that was great questions, fun time. Where can people, I mean, if you're not on Instagram, can people find you on the World Wide Web? Where can people interact with you if it's if it's YouTube, if it's anywhere else? Yeah, find me on YouTube, Runner's High, shameless plug. Uh, that's about <laughs> it. You know, I'm not, I don't, I'm not on Strava, I'm not on Instagram, TikTok, enough, nothing like that. So YouTube's wow. about it, but yeah. yeah. Love that, love that. All right, well, this has been the Run Fast Podcast. Thank you guys for taking the time to listen. We should have the Instagram account up and running by now. Um, That'll be on Miles to do because I'm running the editing process. So he's on yeah. the Instagram duty. But other than that, thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next one.